All right, guys, welcome back to the Buck Fever podcast. I'm Noah Switz, and I've got Pat Colby and Jacob Yeager with me as well. And this episode's going to be a little bit of a quicker episode, and we're mainly going to be focused on cooking and eating wild game. Uh, and I think it pretty much goes without saying that all of us like to eat wild game. I, I don't think there's uh, any debate there, right? Absolutely. I almost prefer it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, store-bought stuff. I mean, you can't really beat a nice uh, cheeseburger or beef steak or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's it's pretty, pretty good. But at the same time, there's a lot of good uh, wild game out there as well. Jake? I love it. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. No, like, uh, I love eating wild game. Actually, my family, I bet you 75. I'm going to put the number at 75% of the meat that we consume. That might be a little high, but let's 60 to 75% somewhere in that ballpark has got to be wild game, whether it's uh, venison or fish or Turkey. Um, we don't buy a lot of beef from the store ever. Um, we get some pork from our, that our neighbor raises and butchers locally. So that's not even like big box store bought stuff, but we eat a, a ton of venison. I usually try to get anywhere between, three to six deer a year. So we're, our red meat is usually the consumption of venison, um, a ton of fish, and then as many turkeys as I can knock down in the spring as well. So um, we love eating it as a family. I'm lucky that my entire family likes to eat it. I know that's not always the case with everybody that hunts, but my family does enjoy, um, my wife and my kids do enjoy eating venison. So I'm lucky that that's the case. So I get to, um, well, use as many deer as I can shoot. So what's the what's the key to that? Because like you said, there's a lot of people out there whose families, especially kids, maybe don't really like to eat wild game. Is it more so how you cook it, getting them started early? I mean, what's the key? I don't know what I know. One key is like taking care of it right away in the field, right? Like I, my wife didn't necessarily come from a family that ate a lot of wild game, um, and she quickly kind of switched and, and thought it was really good but part of that could be just how it's taken care of from the like literally the moment it's shot until it's on a plate in front of you um just the the field care of it you know getting it gutted as soon as possible getting that meat cooled down doing a proper job of that by the way is huge um getting all those guts intestinal stuff out of there, um, cleaning out that cavity, not dragging it through all kinds of dirt and leaves and, and ground and whatnot, getting it hung up, cooling it down, um, and then cleaning it up yourself or, you know, whether you clean it up yourself or take it in somewhere, but getting the meat cooled down. Um, and then obviously when you get it back, getting it in your freezer, um, and then, you know, comes down to recipes and, and doing the right stuff with it. So. Yeah, no, I, I for sure. I mean, is that is it going to be if you don't do all that properly, but it's still edible? Is that where the, a lot of that gamey flavor kind of comes in? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And texture wise, is that a lot due to getting it cooled down in a good time? I think some of the texture problems and even the gamey flavor comes with just leaving too much of that silver skin. Yep. And the tendons on. If you don't do a good job of cleaning that up with venison, that's where your gamey flavor is going to come from. So. I feel like that's one of those things too. Like if you, for a lot of people, if you get some fish and you get that first bone or you bite into a piece of meat that's got way 
something that you can't chew through or whatever, that can be like, as soon as you get that, you're just done eating. Like appetite's gone. Don't want to eat it anymore. I, I feel like a lot of people are, are that way. I'm kind of somewhat that way. I had fish the other night from a restaurant. <clears throat> Last two times I've been there, I've had like bones in the perch. And it's just like, really? Like you, right. You're like, how many of them did I eat? Or you just, you're sick of just taking them and spitting them out. And it's right. kind of gross, but. Back to the silvery part on the venison. That sometimes for me seems like a never ending battle. You seem like you cut and you cut it all off and then you flip it over and there's more. And then by the time you're done, you start with a piece of meat this big. Now it's down to like this. <laughs> Maybe it's just the way that I butcher them, but. No, that is the case sometimes. But I still, I'd rather, you know, when it, do, it is a process and it does take time, but I'd rather get a good clean cut of meat and not have that gamey flavor and have my family want to eat it, then try to rush through it or do a half, you know, hazard job at it and then have a product that doesn't taste very good or you know you make something and then your three kids don't want to eat it so right i'd rather take the extra time and do it right the first right away and the kids just they've always been into it they're yeah, like they luckily. just don't know any different and <laughs> no that's our beef so um they've been good with it so far yeah that's that's all good i mean so is it i mean what, what would you say it is for you as you know maybe the main reason why you, you like that better than store-bought? I just, it gets to the point now where, like, I just, I know where the meat came from. Yep. Like, I know where that animal's <laughs> lived. Um, when I harvest it, I know, and we do a lot of the venison processing on our own. So from the moment that deer, you know, expires, I know exactly where the meat has been, how mm -hmm. it's been taken care of, how it's been transported, how it's been packaged, how it's been cleaned. And then finally, how it's been cooked. Um, you might walk down the aisle in the store, and believe it or not, people like you know, there's people out there that I think they think that the grocery store is where meat actually comes from. But <laughs> believe it or not, that's not where meat actually originates. It doesn't right. just come from behind the counter back there. But you know, you walk by and stuff's all in a good fancy package. But where did it come from? Did it even come from this country? Um, how was that animal treated? How was it? slaughtered or butchered or what whatnot um venison i know and, and even my fish and turkeys and stuff like i know the land i've taken them off of and again I've, i know the process from when that animal expires to when it's like on the plate in front of me so um i, I just think wild game has a good rich um pure protein type i mean the, mm -hmm. the, the protein levels compared to fat in wild game is it's crazy compared to like uh farm raised or or whatever the different kinds of meats that you can buy from a store right which makes sense i mean they're actually running around and yeah they've got to stay a little bit leaner to you know survive and be efficient because that's that happens to be so much of it when it comes to survival is like how efficient your body is and if you're just fattened up it's just not not going to be working as efficiently and you did bring up a good point there. I don't know how much you really want to steer the conversation in that direction, but there's definitely, you know, sometimes hunting can kind of get a, a bad rap because of, you know, maybe some of the perceived gruesomeness that comes with killing these animals. But I think for those people, it happens to be that they just don't really know exactly what that cheeseburger lived through <laughs> right, like right. that you know did that deer have a better life and death than that cow did because 
But yeah, I the mean, deer that got to graze, you know, openly run through the woods, um, graze out in whatever field he wants, right? Um, not get, you know, and had a fair chance at yeah. not being <laughs> shot. You know, that not cow confined is, to just small spaces right, or pens or right. certain meals a day, or you know, you want to talk about bad life, like start go look at a chicken farm or something yeah. like, or a turkey farm compared to what the life a wild turkey gets to live. So. And that yeah. cow's gonna die. It doesn't like it's going to be killed and and butchered. Whereas, how many deer escape us oh, for on sure. a yearly basis? I mean that you know it's not like we're out there able to kill every single deer in the woods. It just doesn't happen. So there's definitely you know some you know misconceptions there, I guess, about the differences. And I think if you're really informed about how any meat ends up on the table it's pretty much no doubt that wild game is much uh much healthier and just you know those animals have a a much better life and death than the animals that are raised on a farm for sure the best organic meat you can get right even better than the store-bought label organic stuff Mm -hmm. the true true organic things running around out there and i think there's a certain pride element in it too like knowing that you were the one who was able to harvest that and put that meat on the on the table for your family, that that's definitely got to be some of it. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of times we even, or I try to label certain packages of meat, mm-hmm. like maybe what deer it was or who I was with. I do this especially with fish. I'll label, uh, you know, four walleyes, Lake Winnebago, Pat or Dad and Ryan, you know, me and my son. Or, yep. Or dad and Brinley, like me and my daughter were out, or whoever I was fishing with. That way, when we make that meal, we can, hey, remember that time we were out and we caught these fish? And you can, like, kind of relive those those memories from when you're out there. And then it means something more, too, than just, uh, hey, this vacuum-sealed, cool-labeled package of tilapia we picked up from supposedly, right. you know, the grocery store. But Yeah. Yeah, so you did mention as well, um, you know, the the health benefits there with wild game as compared to some of the, you know, farm raised products. And we've got a, a nice fancy little chart here. I don't know if you want to kind of share some of these. Yeah. You can jump in too. Uh, you should tag this. If you can intertwine this into the, the video. I, too. I, can, I think I can get it up. There. That's cool. I like you know, that. you're looking at uh, the calories in store-bought meats like beef, um, just your standard beef cut, 267 calories, 26 grams of protein and 17 grams of fat versus like the same equivalent cut from a whitetail. 149 calories so over 100 what 120 calories less right 20, 23 grams less. of protein 1.4 grams of fat so 16 grams less fat in that venison cut than beef and that's i mean you can just tell if you've ever butchered a deer like even where all the fat is is just like on the outside when you actually get yeah. to that meat like it's not there's no marbling at all it's yeah. just red like it's just lean so that I mean, yeah, you're you're saving all those calories. I mean, pork is worse. Yep. You know, it, it's like it. I, I feel like so it says 14 grams of fat as compared to 17 for beef. I I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like pork's fattier than I I would is, agree. So. It's I suppose it depends on the cut, but that's a similar place. 242 calories, 27 grams of protein, 14 grams of fat. Um, a lot of people say elk is like some of the best tasting meat that you can get your hands on um 137 calories so even less than whitetail 
22.8 grams of protein and less than a gram of fat for each of those servings. So, I mean, that's like, that's like next to nothing. Yeah. If just, you're, yeah. If you're only getting that much fat out of a, a elk steak or, or something, I mean, come on, that's nothing. It's just hard. all these wild game animals that we're looking at here, like a squirrel, 21 grams of protein, three grams of fat, a wild turkey, 26 grams of protein, one gram of fat, pheasant, same deal, 25 and 0.6. Uh, Canada goose, 24 grams of protein, 4 grams of fat. And even a mallard duck, 23 grams of protein, 2 grams of fat. I mean, wild game is super, super healthy and lean to eat. So I think even one of the most interesting ones here is the farm-raised pork compared to the wild hog. So you got the, the farm-raised is 242 calories versus the wild hog at 160. Protein, 27 versus 28.3 for the wild and then 14 grams of fat and 1.4 for the wild hog so even like the same i mean there's differences obviously but it's like largely for the most part the same animal just being out in the wild has a little bit more protein and significantly less fat in almost half the calories yeah i've never even really had like a gamey tasting animal like you know people say oh that tastes gamey like the only thing I've ever had that tastes as gamey is a sturgeon, which is really pretty hard to get out of it. It's, yeah. But, like, you know, like, you have a deer, it doesn't taste gamey. I mean, I've had mallard duck, which was really good. It was, we uh, marinated it in um, dressing overnight and then wrapped it in bacon, cooked it on a grill. It just tasted like, a you know, like a piece of pork or beef type thing yeah. where you just pop it in and pheasant, turkey. Like, none of that ever tastes gamey to me. I think, I think in general, birds maybe do a little bit more like pheasant for sure you can you can tell that it's not chicken like if you have that even in a like a popper is it we've done texture related like it's a lot of times wild game right is a little chewier if you right. want to say or it's tougher both. i mean if you blindfolded me and gave me pheasant versus chicken i could tell you 100 percent of the sure. time which is which it's not that it's bad it's just like you can tell that that's not chicken and maybe that's a mental block for some people like mm-hmm. I, just because it's different I don't know. I, mean, I more so mean like a taste where you're like, oh, this is, you could tell it's like what they say, gamey. Or, right. It's like It doesn't yeah. taste any different to me, like where it's gross or like it smells bad type thing. Yeah. And like Colby said, that's preparation and cooking it. That's true. Maybe that. we just I mean, have good cooks. I think it can be <laughs> a mental block for some people, though. You have one bad experience with a wild game early on, like when you're not, right. when you don't come from a hunting family and all of a sudden all venison is gross, right? Yeah. Because you had that one bad experience. Um you know, and, and maybe that specific person that you ate it from that time didn't, you know, prep it right or take care of it right in the field. And that can literally be all the difference. Um, I, I specifically remember just, you know, a certain family member that used to say, you know, oh, that venison, that's gross or whatever. And, and refused, said she would never eat venison, mm-hmm. right? Um, this was like an aunt. Um so we, of course, one, I'm like, I'm bringing over some venison and I'm hiding it so that <laughs> they eat it and they're going to say it's good. And yeah. sure enough, made some like venison chili cheese dip and <laughs> I'm watching uh, the aunt just gorging down, <laughs> just can't get the chips covered in enough of this venison chili cheese dip. And oh my God, this is so delicious. Like, yeah. What is this? And then to her big surprise, when we 
you know, came out and said it was venison chili cheese dip. And all of a sudden, you know, she dropped the chips. Like, I'm not going to eat that anymore. That was, I'm like, you were just really? mowing it down two seconds wow. ago. But just how people can get, you know, it's in their head a lot of the stuff. Yeah. My sure. mom won't eat any venison at all because when she was young, she was told it was beef or like it, it told, it, I think it was brats. And she was told that it was like just normal brats and it was venison. Now she won't touch them. Yeah. <laughs> like I, any venison we have. And like our venison is, you know, it's mixed. And it doesn't taste anything like venison, right. like they say. They're so good, she will not try it. Well, at the, the sturgeon, one of the sturgeon parties we had, I think this might have even been like all the way to the third weekend. So this is like, it's over. And Mike made up some back straps. And I like didn't have much of it because I had some sort of a beverage that made me very, very sick. Like, I, I, I don't know, something, something in it. I, I could barely eat, but the the parts that i did have it's like it was fantastic cuz my dad will make tenderloins quite a bit that's like you know my favorite my favorite cut of steak cuz it's just super tender and i would say that that's very very similar to venison backstraps and the venison was probably better it's i mean he he and he had a a great recipe for it whatever and it was super tender cooked right but it, it's just it was better and no gamey flavor. It was fantastic. So, a good venison backstrap is really, really, really hard to beat. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's... Unless you put it in brats. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. Okay. But... So then what's, what's the rest, what's the go-to recipe on Are you like, you know, put some seasoning on there, kind of slice it, make X's, put it some seasoning on there. What do you, you just throwing it on there, cooking it and eating it? Or? I kind of go back and forth with between leaving them whole in like, you know, seven, eight inch chunks and just keeping the whole thing whole and grilling it that way. It doesn't take a lot of seasoning. Like just your standard like Montreal steak seasoning or even just a good salt and pepper base. Yeah, you don't overdo it with any steak. Super hot grill and you just get that grill super hot. Maybe a little bit of olive oil on the on the mm-hmm. on the steak just so that it, you know, doesn't burn the yep. outside as much. But then you just literally hot sear both sides for a few minutes and that will be the best tasting like medium rare venison backstrap steak you'll ever have. Yeah, for sure. I, I would agree with like with any steak, you just don't overdo the seasoning. Don't put a ton on there, like salt and pepper, pretty much all you need and there's a lot of different ways. Do you do a lot with like marinating it, like leaving it overnight or something like that? I I've think done that's that a few did. times, but um, not always. You know, I, I like it equally as good without an overnight marinade. And just yeah. like I said, Montreal steak or mm-hmm. or salt and pepper seasoning. Um, maybe I'll do a throw a little olive oil in it and throw that all together and throw it in a bag for like a half hour. Yeah, but it trying to come to room temperature before I put it on the grill. But um. The other way I was going to get at was uh, a lot of times people do like chops or the butterfly mm-hmm. chops yep. um, with their backstrap, which I do that too every once in a while. The key with those is you really got to watch them because venison steak can go from like super good to like a piece of leather if you yeah. overcook it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's how I kind of remember it growing up is I just remember venison steak being this like chewy piece of leather. And then when I kind of got off on my own and started cooking on my own and used like an actual temperature gauge <laughs> to cook it to a certain temperature, I'm like, oh, venison isn't always this like chewy piece of rubber uh-huh. in your mouth. Like, <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad, how you were cooking it. But like, 
uh, you're overdoing it. And yeah, if you just don't do that, it can just be phenomenal. Well, melt in your mouth good. So. Oh yeah. What's the temperature you like to like to end at? Oh man, I thought you were gonna grill me on that, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I've always seen that. Like I want to say it's like one thirty-seven, but I could be wrong. That's okay. right. No, that's right. It's some. It's yeah. One thirty to one fifty is like what they say. Yeah, take be. it off a little earlier in that one thirty-five to one thirty-seven. I think that's what I usually do, and then yeah. you know let it rest for a little bit, and it's yeah. gonna cook after that. Um. Yeah, yeah, that's I and that's that's the way to go. So then that's kind of like the the meat. What about fish? Because fish is a whole different animal. I mean, obviously, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sure well, is. I mean, you know what I mean. Like it's it's, no, it's different, I, man. Just give me the standard Wisconsin deep fried fish fried type deal. Like, yeah, that's the way to go. I love experimenting and doing a lot of different things, but like. Let me take that filet, cover it in a good breading, get some hot oil, throw those bad boys in there, um, come out where you got a nice batter mm-hmm. cooked uh, piece of fish. I happen to really like Andy's breading. I, when I like my fish, it's like a good, crisp, thin breading. I don't like a a heavy, soggy breading that comes off the fish. I like the fish to like be... Or they're breading to be like really crispy and stuck okay. yeah. with yeah. the fish. Um, Andy's breading that seems to do that for me. Um, Andy's red specifically. Okay. Um, and I like it because it's super easy. Like you don't have to like do this egg wash thing or dip it in flour, this, that. All you do is you need a wet filet and a bag of the seasoning. I just take like a gallon Ziploc and pour the seasonings in there and take my wet fish filet, throw it in there, shake it up a couple times, and it's good to go. Do you, um, do you ever experiment with any other way to cook it? Like Steve Ranella always is, he, he's made comments about it before too. And I, I love listening to the guy, but he, he'll say like how, you know, most people, their favorite fish is fish that doesn't taste like fish. Like they don't want it to taste fishy, <laughs> whatever. And, and so I think sometimes he kind of criticizes that a little bit. I'm sure he does love a good fish fry, but do you ever do anything yeah else? absolutely I, I have tinkered with all kinds of different stuff uh fish on the grill is really good um it picks up some of that grill flavor um, yeah. whether it, you know butter lemon pepper type deal um I, I just made this like walleye piccata i think it's called a couple weeks ago uh one of my a fellow fishermen that i follow and and friends with had posted the the recipe on facebook i'm like damn that looks good and i uh just kind of stole the recipe from him and made it and i'm like yeah he was right that was <laughs> phenomenal that was one of the best tasting walleye meals i've ever had so what um, is that like is that like uh now you're grilling me on that too i'm trying to remember i just remember it was delicious it was like uh it was fish on top of pasta oh okay <laughs> in a combination and it that's was, not something you'd think of no, it was, but... uh, I'll have to, I'll have to get that recipe and maybe do that for our little yeah. wild game kitchen coming up. I don't think any of our, like, I don't think Northern fish necessarily are good to eat raw. Like Steve will also do a bunch of like ceviche and whatever. He was in Hawaii a couple times. And so he'll, he'll do like raw fish, but I think that's more ocean fish. Sometimes you can do that with, do you ever try that with nope. perch <laughs> no i that's one i don't know if i can get behind because i think that's probably going to be pretty fishy i would think 
yeah that wouldn't that no. just doesn't seem like it would be my type of way to to eat fish uh, but like other other ways like fish tacos and and you can take yeah. the same deep fried fish that you're mm-hmm. gonna eat with french fries and just take that deep fried fish and put it in a taco with anything that you'd normally would like on tacos um but you can also just throw them in a pan with a little bit of oil and some seasoning and scoop out your fillets that way and yep. drop them in a taco um leftover fish from again really any type of way you're gonna make it but like even after deep fried fish like doesn't usually heat up very well the next day in the microwave so we'll take whatever we have left from our deep fried fish and tartar sauce and just smash it all together and basically make like a you know like fish salad yeah like you'd see like chicken salad or whatever and just that on two pieces of rye bread with a piece of cheese the next day for lunch is really like out of this world good wow (laughs) yeah we discovered that up in canada interesting um we you know after we eat fish every night every day we would also (laughs) eat fish for lunch the next day with all of our leftovers from the night before so it's literally like a seven day seven days of eating fish sounds at least two meals a day yeah and especially with fish fries but it could be all this stuff there's a big social aspect to it as well you know, you, it can just be with, you know, your family or, or friends, or whatever. But a lot of times it, it'll be more of a more of a gathering. You know, yep. you're probably going to invite some other people over for dinner that you maybe normally wouldn't on, on any given day. But with fish fries and even with other wild game, too, it can be more of a social aspect. Yeah, I love sharing it. That's one of the cool things about wild game, whether it's a, you take out a, a bag of hot sticks or summer sausage along for a trip like out in the boat fishing or you know Mm -hmm. turkey hunting here coming up i'm sure there's going to be like snack sticks and hot sticks and summer sausage and things like that exchanged those type of things are awesome grabbing jerky yep you know grabbing goes and great to share with buddies or hunting groups and stuff like that i think we always make it a point like when we go to deer camp it could be bow season or gun season but if we go to my cabin for for deer camp or for any hunting weekend you can darn well bet the whole menu is gonna be centered around venison mm-hmm. bringing up um from deer that we shot the year before and then again you get to relive some of the the stories and share the stories of when that deer was from and it just kind of adds to the the whole experience yeah 100 percent. i got a question how do you cook your turkeys or what do you do with them so a couple ways my favorite is actually um, I discovered this a couple years ago is slicing the breasts real thin. I only take the breasts out of the turkeys, yeah, but slicing same. them real thin into pieces. And then again, like kind of like a breading and deep frying them like chicken strips you'd get from mm-hmm. a restaurant. Yeah, we've done um, that. With your whatever your favorite dip is, barbecue sauce, honey mustard, you know, ranch. Mm-hmm. They taste really, really good that way. And surprisingly, they don't, I don't I feel like it keeps them from drying out. I was going to say, because a lot of, it's hard to cook turkeys because they get so dry. Like, we get ours smoked, and they're they're very good like that. But Noah, you didn't you make that barbecue one? That was turkey, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the it was just like pulled turkey. You that know, just good. like shred it up, and we left it in the crock pot overnight. You know, did whatever we did with it, put some sort of rub on it, barbecue sauce, butter. You know, and then shredded it all up, and we actually took it to the woods and made it like kind of campfire style, like we wrapped it in some tin foil with some butter on top whatever and you know cooked it that way to heat it up and that day i remember when we had that it was it was freezing freezing cold and then you know that hot barbecue pulled turkey it was like fantastic we 
had some coleslaw, coleslaw on it. Pickles. It was really good. You don't even usually like coleslaw like normally, right? But I'll eat it on like yeah. I'll eat it on, on the sandwich. Yeah. yeah. I love it on the sandwich. Yeah. It's like the Carolinas style. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. I won't Absolutely. eat it plain, but I'll eat it on like pulled pork. Now if I if we always have pulled pork, I'll like, hey, let's get some coleslaw. Like mm-hmm. that that's good that way. I mean it you know, you it could kind of take away from the meat a little bit because all you're gonna taste is barbecue sauce, but it's really good and if you don't like to taste wild game like it's just drowning in barbecue sauce you're never gonna never gonna know the difference but so we kind of keep talking about it a a lot of what this stuff has to do with is how you cook it so we've kind of come up with something we've developed it a a little bit over the past couple weeks couple months and so we're going to introduce something in the coming days here and it's going to be the Buck Fever Outdoors Wild Game Kitchen. So a lot of this has come from Colby. That's that's been kind of your um your your baby a little bit. So I don't know if you want to introduce it a little. Yeah, I'm excited. So it's the Buck Fever Outdoors Wild Game Kitchen. Um, it's just a way. I, I love scroll. One of the times or how I waste time is scrolling social media. And a lot of times things I stop at are recipes and I'm always screenshotting stuff. And I like seeing that. And I especially love seeing wild game recipes and like, what are unique ways where we can take this awesome venison and, and fish and whatnot and do different things with it. So I'm always experimenting myself. Um, and then I love to just share those recipes or meals with other people. So it's like the best of both worlds. I get to make a bunch of my own food, take pictures of it and then share it back with all you guys. So, um, my stuff is not going to be like anything that you're going to find out of like a five-star chef, um, you know, crazy cookbook. Right. I love simple. Um, so it's going to be simple things, simple ingredients, stuff that you can go down the, the road to the grocery store and easily find. That's what always bugs me is like, you'll see some of these fancy recipes and mm-hmm. you're like, I don't even know what half the things in that recipe is more or less what store I can buy it at or what part of the store I can go find it. Um, so my stuff is going to be good, simple things. Um, not a lot of fancy words, uh, that you you can easily find at your local grocery store or things you might already have at home in your own pantry and be able to go, Hey, that looks good. I'm going to go try that tonight. And Mm -hmm. you're, you'll probably already have the stuff for it. So yeah, um, you probably already have the stuff. And it's like you said, not, it's no fancy cooking techniques that you're going to have to watch 10 YouTube videos on to figure out how to cook it, whatever. (laughs) Like it's, it's all stuff that people who like cook at all can figure out for sure if i can figure it out you can figure it out um and a lot of these will probably be already kid tested and approved because i'm not we don't make a lot of meals where just me and my wife eat them right my whole if i'm gonna make one the whole family's gonna eat it so um so would you say it mainly centers around venison but kind of goes everywhere i would say yeah it'll be centered mostly around venison just because that is probably going to be the highest quantity of what i have available um but I'll also throw in some fish and, you know, hopefully, I don't have any turkey in the freezer right now from last year, but hopefully a couple turkey recipes coming up after this spring. So, yeah, yeah venison, turkey, fish. I'm not a big waterfowl hunter, but I do get lucky and shoot a couple geese each year. Um, and I got a good goose pastrami recipe that maybe I'll share at some point okay. as well. That would be interesting because goose is one that we've talked about as being one of those types of wild game that can be tough to cook and maybe isn't going to be the greatest yeah a lot of jerky gets goose gets made into a lot of jerky eh? yeah which is good i've had it so and we're we've got a couple already made up 
we, we've got those in the stockpile. Um, what do you think? Maybe one a month, one every couple of weeks, just kind of see how it goes here. Yeah. I think once we release this out, maybe we'll shoot them at you like once a week for a, a month or two. Um, and then after that, like I've got to get some inventory right, of right. stocked up. So, uh, you know, we'll burn through some inventory right away, release them at a, a good rate of maybe once a week. And then after that, just kind of as they, as they come. So we'll release those through, I believe, social media and, and Facebook. And what yeah. else are you guys on? Yeah. Well, uh, Instagram. Instagram. The mm-hmm. Instagram. Yeah. It won't be anything on YouTube unless we decide at some point to like cook up some of these recipes and, and make a video out of it. But it'll mostly be on Facebook or Instagram and then they can all be found at our website uh, yeah there'll be like a recipes tab yeah or something i think we'll be working on yep buckfeveroutdoors.com is where you can find all the recipes they'll be kind of in a similar spot as the articles but we'll have them separated out so you can get to the articles or get to the the recipes and they'll be in separate spots but you know all on the website and they'll be posted to all of our social media so people can find them but what are some of them that we're going to kind of start to see you know, yeah, I guess some couple. in the first couple months, some of them that are already done and they're ready to hit the press per se. Uh, venison steak bites with jalapeno and cream cheese. You asked me, uh, like, what do I like to do with turkey? That you could take that same recipe and swap out the venison chunk of steak for a chunk of turkey meat, and they're just as phenomenal. Um, buffalo bluegill wraps. There's that another way of so making good. fish. Um, they were phenomenal. I want to try those first two, like right now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm a big gyro fan, so I get venison brats made into a gyro flavored brat, and then use that as my gyro meat to make venison um, gyros. Venison Chicago style hot dogs, which is also one of my all time favorites. I love venison hot dogs, and I love loading up a bun with all sorts of condiments and veggies and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Chicago's my own twist on Chicago style, um, and then two kind of Italian ones: uh, Italian venison pita pizzas and venison sloppy pizza joes those will be like the first six that i think hit the yeah they're all they're all in the works kitchen yep so we'll get those get those out uh shortly after this episode comes out we'll start releasing those probably about one one per week um give you guys enough time if you've got any inventory to maybe try the recipe and and then we'll get you another one shortly after that and i'm really excited about that because that's you know everything that we do on our YouTube channel is all about hunting these animals and, and, or catching them, spearing them, whatever. But you know, that's only half of it because the other half then is eating them. I mean, you're going to, you know, you shoot a buck, you're going to hang antlers on the wall and, you know, keep your Turkey fan and beard and spurs and whatever. But you know, that it's, it's about a lot more than that too. You're, you're hunting to eat and whether it is, you know, like you said, one of your, staples where you're maybe eating 75 percent wild game or you're eating 10 percent wild game you know either way you shouldn't really be harvesting too many animals and then not eating them Um, and people who like to hunt should know how to cook the game that they're pursuing and do it right so that they can eat it and you know it's not something that they're afraid of Um, so these recipes are going to be great because they're pretty much friendly to anybody like you said they're great for kids great for people who might be a little bit pickier and just a a huge variety a lot of different ways that you can cook things up that people you know might not otherwise be used to yeah my hope is just 
people take a chance with them. They're again, they're going to be relatively simple and easy. And then it's just going to go to show that you don't always have to do the same old thing with your, with your venison. Like you don't have to always take it to the processor and get the same old hot sticks or, mm-hmm. you know, the same old summer. Like there's other things you can do with venison and other wild, types of wild game and make really good taste and food. That's relatively simple that you and your kids and family will enjoy. So, and I'm hoping we get some, you know, some comments from people about, other recipes we should try out or different variations on some of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, you can I mean, take, take my recipe and take right. your own twist or variation to it and then hopefully comment back like, oh, I switched it up and did this and it turned out really awesome. Yep. I'd love to hear that feedback. So Right. If you don't like buffalo sauce on your bluegill, do you try barbecue sauce? Would that be good? I mean, I don't know. If you're a mm-hmm. barbecue guy, maybe that's the way you go. And so that, that type of stuff could be really cool too to see the different directions that people take some of these things in. And it's a lot of stuff, you know, when – you first showed me all of these, it kind of opened my eyes up to what you could do. Cause I think we think a lot about back straps and, you know, just breasting out a Turkey and doing whatever with it and fried fish. And, but I mean, I never would have thought about Buffalo bluegill wraps. That's just not something I ever would have really tried. So it's pretty cool to see a wide variety of stuff like that as well. Those venison steak bites. I'm getting Ooh. hungry looking yeah. at the list right it, now. It, <laughs> the venison steak bites are calling my name. It can't get too much better than, jalapeno poppers even though i have you know said that bacon's not my favorite thing in the world you said a few questionable things lately i don't think so (laughs) i i don't i think i've been pretty pretty just you know on the straight and narrow i I think everything i've said has been it's bacon's you know it's it's bacon exactly it's good on jalapeno poppers and it doesn't belong in a cheeseburger speaking of bacon we're i'm gonna be making venison bacon with my dad thursday night there you go coming up this weekend we're gonna be making venison bacon or homemade venison bacon and homemade uh venison summer sausage this weekend so are we gonna see a recipe on that maybe uh yeah we could it's actually super easy um even better venison bacon so yeah maybe we'll take a few pictures of the process and and throw that in as you know something that what kind of meat do you use it's just all my trim oh okay yeah i mean that's that's yeah, really essentially, easy. when you make venison bacon, it, it, you actually grind, grind it. So it okay. gets combined with pork, like almost a 50-50. You grind it, um, put the seasonings and cure in together. You actually pack it down in like aluminum pans, those 9x12s or whatever they are. Um, leave it sit overnight, and then you smoke it. Or you flip it out of those pans, so now it's like a big chunk, right? A 9x12 chunk. You take that thing and you smoke it. And then when it's done smoking, you bring it to like room temperature, cool it down, and then you just take it through a slicer. That's all venison bacon is. Even from the, even from whatever processor you take it to, it same yeah. same process, same hmm. same deal. It's not from a cut. It's all ground down into a mixture, basically compressed, smoked, and then sliced. Yeah, this is all going to be awesome information. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about this because it's a lot of a lot of stuff I never really knew about. It opened my eyes to a lot of this stuff, and I think it's going to be really fun to see where people take this and and trying all the recipes and changing them up a little bit i'm really excited about it awesome man I, me too i'm like, i'm hungry <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm getting hungry <laughs> should have brought some of this stuff along oh that would have been i will be the taste tester for everything <laughs> yeah we might maybe god we we keep trying to pile on we've got you know like a minnesota hunting trip planned ish ish loosely planned and 
we keep trying to pile stuff on to that. Well, there will be like, some recipes like this right, in Minnesota maybe for sure. Don't assume. That. I mean, <laughs> you and Eli want to have a cook-off, and then we want to do a podcast there, and it just kind of is It'll work. over, but it, we'll make it happen. Yeah. We just won't sleep, and we'll just keep, you know, keep rolling. Hunting, eating. That's right. Maybe drinking a couple <laughs> of bush lights or two. Yes, now, now yeah. we're getting yeah, somewhere. I'll have, like, somewhere. One. We're getting somewhere I'll have one. <laughs> it's coming around. Well, not really. It still tastes bad, but I'll drink it. <laughs> All right. Any closing thoughts here? No, uh, just thanks for listening. Thanks for giving the, the recipes a chance. If you get a chance to try them out and uh, any feedback you can provide it, it, it's all cool. Just one hunter, fisherman sharing stuff with the rest of you guys. So, Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, you know, check out just these are going to be coming out really quick. So if you're on our, our social media, Facebook, Instagram, um, and our website, these will be coming out and can't wait for you guys to try them. So thank you guys. And we'll see you guys next time.